let's jump into the message. We're in week four of our overall series. I've enjoyed kind of bringing this to you just so that maybe those that maybe have not heard them all or missed a week or so, they're, they're obviously still uh, they're going to be on our website. You can check all those out. But we really can kind of looking at this concept and this idea that Paul has given this church in Colossians, uh, this idea that basically Jesus is overall, he's the supreme, he's first, and that's really important for them and for us because time, you know, whether we'd like to admit it or not, there are times where other things begin to take Jesus' place. There's other times where Jesus doesn't have the first place where he deserves. Instead, he kind of trickles down a little bit. But, but we see that, that as Paul is writing to them and trying to help guide them and direct them, he really wants them to understand, listen, we have to put Christ in, in the first place. In Paul's letters, and so many of them, they really have this idea and this theme of Christ being central to these things. And unfortunately, sometimes we, we kind of can miss that mark. We can kind of allow other things to happen. But in, 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 it's not going to be on the screen, but, but in Colossians 1.18, in, in a real simple way, as Paul is kind of expressing all these concepts and ideas, he basically just finally just looks at them and basically just says, look, so, so he is first in everything. He's first in everything. And the question that we have to answer, our, to answer for ourselves and the question that I've been kind of wrestling with in my own heart and my own life as I've put these messages together and shared them with you is, is he? Is he really in the first place in my life? And I would say sometimes the answer to that is absolutely. And I would say other times I let other things slip in. And what Paul is wanting us to see and what Paul is wanting his readers originally to understand is, you know what? We can't allow that to happen. We've got to put Christ where he belongs and put him in that first place. And in kind of this main idea and the main thought throughout the entire series is quite simply this. is Jesus reigns over all and deserves to be first in my life. He deserves to be first. He deserves to be first because of all he has done, all that he is. And Paul breaks all that down really in that first chapter uh, in the Colossians. We're, we're going to kind of move a little bit away from that this morning, but at the same time kind of keep that idea and thought. And this morning what we're going to talk about is this idea of Jesus over all my emotions. Now... Anytime we talk about emotions, something interesting happens. Are you ready? And this is going to be mind-boggling. We become emotional. Okay? Now, I understand that. I, I know, like, like, here's the deal. Like, I, I don't know about you. I consider myself a very emotional individual. You may not feel that you are, but here's what I've learned about people in general. You are whether you like it or not. Now, there are varying degrees of emotionalness, but we all have them. We all deal with them. We all at times struggle with their control. But as we see this idea, as we understand, we need to understand that Jesus, he reigns over them and desires to reign over them. And listen, when we talk about emotions, typically what we do is we talk about kind of the negative emotions. We, we talk about the idea of shame or sadness or fear or depression or frustration or anger to an extent. All these ideas we kind of think about. But you also need to remember that Jesus doesn't just reign over your negative emotions. He also reigns over your positive ones. Do you know that sometimes your positive emotions can get you into just as much trouble and have just a hard enough, even, even just a hard a time to control those as well? So Jesus is not only over our negative emotions, but he's over our positive emotions, that happiness and pleasure and triumph and wonder. All of these things that we have are things that Jesus needs to be over in our life. Because here's the thing. We've talked about many different things that typically what kind of sneaks into that first place. But here's what I found, whether, whether we think about it or not. Like if I asked 100 people, and I asked them, I said, okay, in your life, if you're honest, you know, okay, we don't have to put any names on this or anything, what are things that typically take the first place? I'd be willing to bet a fairly decent amount of money 
that you probably wouldn't mention emotions. You'd mention idols. You'd mention things. You might mention money or prestige or other things. But emotions is something that we don't typically think about. But at the same time, our lives and our culture really show the opposite. That our emotions can immediately come in and take that place that Jesus wants to have in our lives. Whether they be good emotions or bad emotions. Whether how we deal with those emotions in the negative sense or how we strive to experience those emotions in the positive sense. And when I talk about emotions, there's usually some things here that we kind of need to look at and need to understand. Before we really jump into it, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day and this time. And Father, as we talk about these things, God, I pray that you would open our hearts to what you desire to do. That, Father, you would allow us to kind of put away, like it's so easy in these situations, Father, to kind of maybe nudge the person next to us, whether literally or figuratively. But God, I pray that we would first focus on our own life and our own emotions and allow you to do what you desire to do in us and through us. So help us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember growing up and, you know, hearing... In, in, in the church, a lot of times, this idea of, of emotion and, and, and how there were certain emotions that were very, very, very good and almost praiseworthy, if, if that makes sense. But at the same time, there were others that were just so, so bad. And, and I'll be honest with you, as a young child, maybe not a young child, but as a child, I had a hard time understanding that. Were emotions bad or were they good? And depending on who you talked to, it seemed like it was very confusing to me. And so I remember living that because I knew I was kind of an emotional kid and feeling at times some negative emotions from the emotions I was feeling. I remember feeling shame because I got upset at times or I got frustrated at times. And, and there were people in my life that would kind of either kind of share one thing or share another. And I really got me confused about, are emotions okay? Are they acceptable? Should we be emotional beings or should we be something different? And so this morning, before we really even enter into some of these things, I want to answer that question because here's the deal. When it comes to our emotions, when it comes to these things, it does not say, and it does not say on your screen or in your notes, it did not say, Jesus hates my emotions. It did not say, Jesus is against my emotions. It said that Jesus is over all my emotions. Why? Why? It's simple. It's easy when we really begin to understand something here, and it's simply this. God himself, over and over in his word, demonstrates emotions. Demonstrates these emotions. Now, we don't have time to go through all of these, but listen, if you want later this afternoon, knock yourself out. But we see here some examples of God showing his emotion, both God as the Father and also Jesus as his Son. And let's remember something here. When we talk about this, because it's easy to say, okay, I see Jesus as showing emotion. Like, for example, in one of these, it talks about this idea of sadness. Okay? John eleven thirty five. Do you know what John eleven thirty five is? You all have it memorized. You don't know you have it memorized, but you all have it memorized. You know why? It's the shortest verse, I think, in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. He's showing emotion. Now remember, Jesus weeps at the, at the tomb of Lazarus. He knows he's raising Lazarus from the dead, but yet Jesus allows sadness to bubble up in him. Some of these are simply from God the Father. But let's look at them together. God and Jesus shows this idea, and we'll get to a minute, a little bit more about Jesus, but this idea of compassion, this idea of sadness, this idea of anger. We'll look at that in a minute. Love. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Pity and delight. And listen, there's a bunch more. And typically what we do, like I said earlier, is we get this idea, well, yeah, Jesus showed that, but not God the Father. We have this kind of mentality of God as kind of the old man with the beard and the stick, and Jesus is somewhat different. But Jesus tells us in John 14, especially in verse number 9, he says, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was showing us what his Father was like. 
So he experienced these things. These emotions are a part of God's makeup. Remember, you are an emotional being. You were created that way. We are told in Genesis that we were created in God's image. Now, when we think about an image, we need to understand what that picture is. Because sometimes I hear that word and I forget what we're really seeing here. An image is a carbon carp, a carbon carp copy. Blah. When you look in the mirror, you are seeing a image. When we were created in God's image, we were created to mirror him. Especially early on. Now, when sin into the picture, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But God has emotion. And here's the deal. In my theology classes, okay, and I've got to tell you the big word, but we talked about, I've even talked about some of the emails, okay? There's this concept where basically what we use is this idea that although God doesn't necessarily experience these things, he is allowing us to understand more of his nature by using the words that we will understand. And I believe that in many, many instances. But I look at the New Testament and I see Jesus actually experiencing these things. And it makes me go, no, wait a minute, that's different. There is emotion. However, and this is very important, God's emotions are different from our emotions. Okay? God's emotions are different from our emotions. And it's really broken down into three ways. We're not going to spend a ton of time here but I think you'll get it. Number one, God's emotions are never tainted by sin. Our emotions are tainted by sin. Okay? God's emotions are never tainted by sin. Ours are. Number two, God's emotion can never lead him to sin. Our emotions can lead us to sin. Now listen. Well, we'll get that in a minute. And then number three, God's emotions are rooted in his holy nature our emotions are rooted in our sinful nature. So when God has emotions, if this will kind of break it down for you in a real simple way, God's emotions come from a pure place and are pure. Our emotions come from a wicked place and can be wicked if we allow them to move in that direction. Now remember, when we talk about emotions... It's important that we understand, and we see this in Scripture, but our emotions are not sin. It's what we do with those emotions. It can then become sin in our attitude, our actions, or our words. So what can happen is this, these emotions can come, and how we deal with them, how we handle them, how we are able to allow Christ to do what he needs to do in our lives will then affect how we live, how we act, our attitude, and our words. So it's important that we get that because I'll be honest with you, I've met people, and we're going to look at them in just a minute, who would look at this and go, no, no, your emotions are bad. Your emotions are wrong. Your emotions are not what God has. But I would say, no, God created you in this way because you're mirroring Him. Now, because our emotions are tainted by sin, because they can lead us to sin, and because they're rooted in our sinful nature, we need Jesus to be over them. That's why we need this. That's why we need Christ to come in our lives and begin to be over these areas in our lives that quite honestly can become the first place and also control us in so many ways. So knowing that, knowing now that we have emotions, knowing that we were created to have emotions and that we experience real emotion in our heart that's powerful and strong, we need to understand that we can fall really into two traps when we deal with our emotions and comes with our emotions. Trap number one. Trap number one, we ignore our emotions and our feelings. We ignore them. We feel them, they're real, they're, 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 they're important to us, and we kind of say no, and we press them down, and we suppress them, and we ignore them, and we say, no, I'm not going to feel this, I'm not going to go through this, I'm not going to experience this, and we kind of you know, grip our fists and grit our teeth and say, no, I will not feel. 
typically, obviously, we try to ignore those negative thoughts, those negative hurts, those negative emotions. So we ignore. We try to push them to the side. We act like they don't really exist. And unfortunately, that's a trap. It's a trap that eventually is going to spring open and trap you even deeper. But I've learned it and I've seen it. I know I've done it in my own life. There are certain things maybe I can deal with and there are other things. It's just like, I just don't want to deal with this right now. I don't want to think about this right now. And we kind of push it down and we push it down. I remember when I was a kid. Now, this may age me a little bit. I don't know. And I'm glad all the kids are gone because I would have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about. But I remember when I was a kid. You remember the peanut cans? Now you're going, what are you talking about? Like literally the peanut cans? No, it was the can that had a peanut on the front and you would open it up and the snakes that were in there would go. Remember those? Some of you were like, what are you talking about? Just imagine, okay? A small can, maybe about the size of a, you know, a can that holds tennis balls. And you would stop and you'd press those basically they look they didn't look like snakes but anyway down into that can and then you put the lid on and then you do something silly because this you know the thing about these these pranks they were horrible because you would walk up to someone would you like some peanuts no one has ever asked you that with a can and a with a peanut on the front and so, of course, you would say, oh, of course I would want some peanuts. Uh, that, that makes complete sense. And, and you would open it up, and, of course, boom, everything would go flying out. When we ignore our emotions, that's kind of what we're doing. We're taking it, and we're stuffing it, and we're stuffing it, and we're stuffing it, and we're thinking, you know what? If I can just get the lid on, everything will be okay. The problem with that is it may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years. But one, at one point in time, that cap's going to come off. And those emotions are going to fly out. And it's a problem. Proverbs 13, 12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When things are deferred, when things aren't dealt with, when things are pressed down, there is sickness that comes. And here's the deal. It can come in a physical sickness, but it can also come in a spiritual sickness. And it can affect our relationships with God and our relationships with each other and our relationship with our parents and our relationship with our kids and our relationship with our spouse. Because we thought we could just stuff it down. And if we stuffed it down enough, we could forget that it ever happened. But then something takes place. Something pops that lid off. And when the lid pops off, everything comes out. And when it does, I don't know about you, but when it happens in my life, that's where the sin happens. That's where the response is not Christ-like. That's where the response is not what Christ would want me to do and act and be. And my attitude suffers and my words suffer and my actions suffer. The second trap, the second trap, we indulge our emotions and feelings. So we either ignore them or we indulge them. Now, I want to define the word indulge. It means to yield to an inclination or desire. And I thought this was interesting as well. It says, to give free reign to. You think of our world today, and you think of that trap. When I think about emotion and feelings, I say, man, we as a culture have given it free reign. What matters most is not the facts. What matters most is not God's word. What matters most is how I feel. If I feel it, then I can this or that. But listen, if I don't feel it, I'm not going there. And we have indulged our emotions so much and given in to them, have given free reign to them, it really has caused 
major issues in our families and in our churches and in our communities. Because instead of allowing God's word and Jesus to be first and ahead of those things, it's how I feel today. Let me ask you a simple question. And you may go, well, that's kind of a weird question, but answer it. Think about it for a, minute, for a second. Today is Sunday. Did you feel the same today as you did on Wednesday? Or have you changed? Now you say, well, I, I, was kinda, I was doing pretty well on Wednesday. I'm doing pretty well today. Do you feel exactly the same? I would say, no, you don't. Now maybe you do. But do you think you'll feel the same way tomorrow? Or the next day? Things are going to happen. Life happens. Some things, they're good. Sometimes they're bad. But our emotions will change. And yet we think that we can make decisions and life decisions on things that are moving and flowing and changing in our hearts and in our lives. What's interesting to me, and if you haven't noticed this, I can show you verse after verse after verse, that when you look at the New Testament, and you begin to study it, and you begin to look in Romans and Galatians and Ephesians and Corinthians, all so many of these books, Philippians, when you see this idea of people that do not know Jesus, or that have rejected what Jesus has done and is doing and wants to do in their life, you know what you see over and over and over again? Paul and others writing about how they have given in to their emotions and to their feelings. In a lot of ways, when you think about it, what Paul is communicating here is if you want to see if someone is really knowing who Jesus is and living for them, See what they do and how their emotions will carry them in one way or another. Look at it. Ephesians 4, 19. It says, having lost all sensibility, this is speaking of people that do not know Jesus, they have given themselves over. They have indulged to the sensual so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. In a lot of ways, we indulge our feelings by saying, I feel this, so I will do that. I feel this, so I will do that. Instead of saying, God's word says this, so I will do that. It's so important here. Because it affects so many things. And so we fall into this trap of either ignoring it or indulging it, of basically allowing it to have the first place in our hearts and in our lives. So the question then becomes, how do we allow Jesus to be over all our emotions? If emotions are what we should have, and, and, and that's okay to have these emotions, and we know that we can either kind of ignore them or indulge them. Well, what do we do? What do we do with these emotions? And it's simple. It may be hard to do. It's simple to say. We allow Jesus to be over our emotions, not by ignoring them and not by indulging them. We do it by surrendering them to him. Okay? We surrender them to him. We don't act like they're not there. We don't indulge them to the place of putting them over everything. We take them to Jesus. We express those things to him. Listen, if you want an unbelievable example, and I could just give you verse after verse, or chapter after chapter after chapter, go to the Psalms. You know what you see in the Psalms a lot? David and others expressing emotion to God surrendering that to him, saying, God, I need your help here because this is happening and that's happening. The Psalms are not, what's the best word here? They're, they're not, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're crazy in the way that basically David, it, it's like he doesn't hold back. And I love that about David. Like he's not trying to impress anybody. He's not trying to ignore it. He's not trying to, to, to make it too big. But at the same time, he just goes to God and he goes, God, man, I'm being pressed on every side. 
Man, my enemies are waiting at the gates to kill me and to take me out. But yet in those Psalms, there's this surrender that takes place. There's this concept where David comes to this place and says, you know what, God, but you're in control. God, I trust you. Even though I feel this way, I know you have got me. And a surrender type of situation is not just allowing God to hear what is going on, but it's also surrendering those emotions to him because we know he's got us. And surrendering those things. So, so before, as we kind of close this morning, I want to kind of break this down. I want to give us some application here. It's like, how do we do that? Like, what, what are some, not necessarily steps, but what are some things that we can do to surrender our emotions to Jesus? Number one, and this is obvious, but we have to give our emotions to him. We have to give them to him, okay? Like, this is, this is basic and easy, but it's amazing how much sometimes we can miss this. We kind of have this thought, I got it. God, I'm okay. I can handle this on my own. These emotions, these feelings, I, I can deal with it. I'm good. And you know what? There is something about coming to Jesus and giving those over to him. You know what's interesting? Jesus is our model in all of these things. And Jesus did that too. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the garden. He was praying. And Jesus didn't hold back. When he prayed to his father, he brought it all. He said basically in, in Aaron's kind of version, like, God, I don't want to do this. He says, man, if there is any other way. But he said, no. He surrendered. He shared his emotions with his father. He shared where he was at but also surrendered at the same time. I love that about Jesus. I love that we have these stories about his life and we see his anger, but it was a holy anger. We see his sadness. We see his, his, his desire to, to, to care and to, to wrap us in his arms, as he says about Jerusalem. We experience these emotions that he has and in that moment where scripture says he is under so much that he literally sweats drops of blood we see him take it to his father let me ask you a question when was the last time you experienced emotion and you took it to god like like you didn't try to get it all figured out on your own you didn't and if you do this is not a problem but you, you didn't call me if you need to call me, call me. Don't, don't misunderstand. You didn't go to a book or self-help book. You didn't call your mother. You went to God. And you said, God, here I am. And here's where I'm at. And I need you. And I need your help to be over this emotion. Because some of these emotions, man, they're tough. They're big. And they can really affect us. But when we bring them to Jesus... It's very important. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us this. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now, I know that verse like, talks more about burdens and things like that, but you know what? Feelings can be a burden. Cares are feelings to me. And he says, he invites us. He says, bring them to me. I care about you. I love you. Bring them to me. Let me be over them. But we need to bring them to him. Number two, by setting our hearts and our minds in the right place. By setting our hearts and minds in the right place. Let's look at Colossians. Look here. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Paul writes, he says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. So set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. One of the things that we can mistake and cause our emotions to really control us and lead us in places that we don't necessarily want to go is we don't set our hearts and our minds on things above. 
Instead, we set them on things below. We allow those things to be greater than what the things above are. And when we do that, we are giving our emotions a power and an authority in our lives that they never were meant to have. Because instead of allowing our heart and our minds to be set on him, what he has done, what he is doing, instead what we tend to do is we begin to put our hearts and our minds on what people have done or said are doing. And that person can be us. But Paul encourages his, the church to look, 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 you got a choice here. He doesn't say you can close your eyes. And a lot of times that's what ignoring tries to do. And he doesn't say it's okay to focus down here and, and set your mind and your heart on these things. Now here's what is interesting about the wording here. It says set your eyes. Okay? Set your eyes. What that is really saying is this. Is as we are looking as we're setting our eyes towards him, there are going to be things and are going to be moments that are going to cause us to do this. Are you ready? We're aware of what's going on around us. It's real. And things hurt. But when we set our eyes, it's a completely different situation. You see, unfortunately, what a lot of us do is we set our eyes on earthly things and every once in a while glance up to Jesus. What Jesus is wanting, what Paul is wanting us to see here, as, as we are setting our eyes here, there are going to be things that are going to cause us to look down. But when we do, we got to go right back up. We are experiencing these hurts. When someone says that we're worthless, when someone says that we're not worth anything, and we have that feeling and it causes us to look down and see it, then we can set our eyes back up and say, no. Jesus, you say that I'm worth something. You came and you died for me. I'm valuable to you. I'm your child. I'm your son. And you love me. You see how we're setting our eyes here? We know that there are going to be things that happen here that we experience, things that we experience that people do to us and things that we do to ourselves. But where you set your eyes matters. I always think back to the, uh, the story of David and Bathsheba. And in that story, basically, David goes to the roof. And if this will help you understand this, he looks out and he sees Bathsheba bathing on the roof. And we all know, if you know the story, where David fixed his eyes. David didn't do this. Oh, it's a beautiful day out on the roof. Whoa, okay. Hey, there's a woman over there bathing. I think we're going downstairs. That's not what happened. David fixed his eyes. And when he fixed his eyes, sin and death and destruction followed. Where you fix your eyes matters when it comes to your emotions because you're going to have them you're going to experience them they're going to be real and raw and powerful but when we can fix our eyes on Jesus and fix our eyes on the heavenly things it can change our perspective and change our hearts we surrender in that way the final thing number three we surrender our emotions to Jesus by letting our emotions be transformed in the surrender. I do not know how many times I have probably said this to myself and I have heard others say this. This is just the way I am. Now I want you to understand something. I love you and I care about you. And when you say that, either to yourself or to someone else, I love you enough to tell you you are completely missing the mark. And that is completely contrary to what God's word says. But, but Aaron, my 
grandfather was this way. I've literally heard this. My grandfather was this way. My father was with this way. I am this way. And unfortunately now my son is this way. We can't change. This is who we are. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. From the pit of hell. And when you believe that lie, you are missing what the transformation that God wants to do in your heart, in your life. We've talked about this before. We're not going to get into it in depth. But we know that when we accept Christ, we are changed in that moment. It's a transformation that takes place. But there's still a sanctification that is going to take place. There's a changing that is going to take place after the regeneration. We've talked about it before. There's regeneration and there's sanctification. Sanctification is God slowly transforming us more and more into His Son. Transformation takes place at an instant. You were dead and now alive. Sanctification is a process that never stops till you literally are dead. And when we believe the lie that we cannot change, when we believe the lie that we have reached in this particular area, the furthest we can go to be like Jesus, we are hindering the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and that's a big deal. We can be transformed. Feelings, emotions can be transformed, but they can only be transformed by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 17 and 18, it says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You see, when you say, I can't change, you've bound yourself up. You've said, I don't have freedom. I'm a captive to my feelings. I'm a captive to my past. I'm a captive to my relationships that have failed. I'm a captive to what I've done. I'm a captive to what has been done to me. But yet we see, Paul says, no, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why? So that all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. I... I know my life. And maybe I fooled you. But I, 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 I'm not, I don't look like his glorious image a lot of times. I want to be more like Jesus. I want my emotions to not be indulged, not be ignored, but see surrendered. Why? Because when I surrender my emotions, God can change me to be more like Him. I want that in my life. I want my life to reflect less of Aaron and more of Jesus. And in our hearts and our lives, a lot of times, one of the things that really doesn't reflect Jesus is how our emotions can get away with us, or away from us. And we can miss the fact that more than just being over them, Jesus wants to transform them into being more like Him. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if I've ever met anybody in my life, and I've met some really amazing people, <laughs> like awesome people, and I've never met a single one that I didn't honestly look at and go, yeah, I think it could probably be a little bit more like Jesus. And listen, that's not a knock. That's just everybody. And one of the areas that I think we kind of miss is putting him over those emotions. Because, man, we live in an emotional world, don't we? And I believe that Jesus is over all our emotions and I believe that he wants to be that way for many many reasons but one 
that is so important is to make us more like Him. As we close, I want to go back to a story that I've mentioned real briefly because it shows in the life of Jesus a really kind of an emotional moment, an emotional time, but at the same time, one that can teach us some things. And we may have talked about this before, but I think it's important to kind of catch this. I mentioned it earlier that the shortest verse of the Bible, or at least one I think it is, at least one that I've always been told it is, is two words. I don't think there's a one-worder. Maybe there is. Is Jesus wept. But when you start to look at the story of Lazarus and literally the emotions connected with it, I mean, that was an emotionally charged situation. I encourage you to go and and, and, and look at the story in John. You see, it starts with this man being very, very sick. And, and it's even communicated at the very beginning, like they send for Jesus and they're like, hey, this is Lazarus, you know, the guy you love. Emotion. And so the disciples are like, hey, let's go. We're going to head off to Lazarus. Jesus says, no, we're going to wait a little bit. I'm paraphrasing. He waits a couple days. Finally, he goes and he literally says, he says, okay, let's, 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 let's go. Let's go to Bethany. Let's go see Lazarus. He's fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. And you know, the disciples are, can you imagine the emotions the disciples are feeling at this moment? Like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why didn't we go earlier? Jesus, why did you fail? Jesus, how could you? And then he gets there. And Mary and Martha Man, they are, and, and, and they kind of should have been. They're a wreck. They look, it's Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And the emotions are just flowing. And it's all just out, and it's messy, and it's, it's just everywhere. Shame and guilt and regret, sadness, mourning, loss, all these things. The scripture says that Jesus says, take me to where you've placed him. And they take him there. And then in two simple words. Sometimes I've thought about like John writing his gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing and he's remembering these feelings and emotions that he had and that everyone there had. And I can almost see him put down his pen, looking up into heaven, trying to figure out how do I communicate this moment? And again, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Jesus I don't know about you, but in my life, and I know we're talking about a certain emotion, but if someone was writing about me, they could have taken the pen and just simply written, Aaron wept. But in that weeping, there was still hope. You see, it's interesting that even though Jesus allowed himself to feel that emotion, he knew that Lazarus was going to be alive in a very short amount of time. Jesus didn't ignore it. But Jesus also didn't indulge in it. He didn't have a pity party. He wept. He hurt. He loved Lazarus. But yet he still felt. And scripture says that he looks. He says, move the rock. Get the rock out of there. 
his sisters, don't, no, no, he, he stinks, Lord. He's, he's been in there decaying. And Jesus makes a comment. He's like, if you'll just believe, like, I got this. I got this. It's like in our hurt and in our time of mourning and, or, or anger or fear or frustration or whatever it might be, you know, when we call to Jesus and we bring him into the situation, he's got it. Scripture says it in a loud voice. He says, Lazarus, come out. And listen, he came out. And I'm telling you right now, nobody in that place went, cool, let's go have lunch. There was some emotion that came out because Jesus came on the scene. Because Jesus said, you know what? I'm Lord, and I'm not just over your emotions. I'm over everything. If Jesus can be over death and the emotions that death brings, he can be over every emotion that you have ever felt when we give it to him and allow him to do it. So listen. Let's, let's close our eyes. Let's focus for a minute because I just, I really believe that there are some individuals here that for a really long time when it's come to emotion and feelings and, and, and especially kind of some hurt, that you have tried to ignore it for a long, long time. And, and when you bring it up, when it does kind of, when the can kind of explodes, you try to handle it on your own you really haven't given it to Jesus. You really haven't surrendered it to him and not just allowed him to take it, but you really haven't allowed him to transform you because your mind has been on earthly things and not on him and heavenly things. Your heart and your mind. And this morning, I believe that God wants to heal your heart and change your heart in the area of your emotions. I think there are others who have spent a lot of time indulging in your emotions. You have allowed them to take the first place. You have allowed them to be your guide and not God and his word. You have allowed them to control you to the point where they are literally an idol in your life. And I know that's not easy to, to hear. But Jesus deserves the first place. The emotions that you're feeling are, reared, are, are real, but they can't be more powerful than Jesus. We've got to put Jesus in the first place. And he feel those emotions, but know that he is in control and surrender those things to him. Earlier, as, as Linda led us, and I even mentioned it at the beginning, a lot of this this morning has been about this concept of surrender. It's been about this idea that whether we're trying to control our emotions by ignoring them or, or indulge in them, we need to surrender it all to Jesus. One of the best ways and one of the quickest ways to put Jesus back in the first place is when we surrender those things to him. And this morning, I believe that's what he's calling us to do. He's asking us to do. He's saying, listen, will you surrender these things to me? Will you let me take those things? Maybe bring some healing. Maybe bring some transformation. Maybe do all the above. And allow me to be over these emotions. Remember, Jesus isn't against your emotions. But he is over them.
And so if that's you this morning, we're just going to pray. And I'm going to ask that you would just ask God to be over. That you would, in your own heart and in your own way, surrender those things to Him. And allow Him, in that process, to once again begin that transformation that He desires to do in you. Father, we come to you right now, and God, you're so good. And God, I thank you that you gave us emotion. I mean, life would be pretty dull if we were all emotionless. But God, you gave us these emotions. You you allow us to feel things. And Jesus, there's times where we feel happiness and triumph and, and, and just so many wonderful things, and we're so thankful for that. And God, at times, we also experience sadness and depression and loss, grief. And God, those are harder things to deal with. But God, I'm so thankful that Jesus, you felt what we feel. You experienced them all, yet without sin. And Jesus, we don't want our emotions to lead us into sin, and we don't want our emotions to have the first place. That's yours. So Jesus, this morning, whether we're an ignorer, whether we're an indulger, we surrender to you. We surrender our emotions and our feelings to you. All the negative ones, all the hurt-filled ones, and all the positive ones, they're all yours, and we give them to you. And we ask that as we do that, that God, we would keep our eyes focused on you and that you would transform us into more, to be more like Jesus. This isn't about just a surrender and then we walk away. Jesus, we want to be more like you in our emotions and in every area of our lives. And Jesus, we know that when we surrender to you, when we yield to you, that God, you do great and mighty things in us and through us. So help us. We love you. And we thank you. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So listen, remember this morning we had five announcements. Don't forget them. I know there's a lot. There's a lot coming up. Please make sure that you're aware of those things. Linda, thank you so much for leading us in worship this morning. You did a great job. Thank you for that. And listen, I know there's a lot going on, so I hopefully will see you at some point during this week. But have a great week and allow Jesus just to have that free reign in your heart and your life. Not those emotions, not the circumstances or the situations, but Him. All right? Awesome. Have a great week.